Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 12th, and we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 96, the second paragraph. Suppose you are now making your second visit through three paragraphs ending with, occasionally you will have to meet such conditions and commenting on all three paragraphs. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Liz V, the 12 traditions, Mary G, and readers of the text are Lisa H, Roz R, and Cecilia H. The reference numbers for Monday, September the 11th, 7 a.m., 10410 and 10 a.m. 10412. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Liz V to read the 12 steps. Hi, I'm Liz V, Recovered, North Carolina. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening As the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Pass. Thank you, Liz V. 
I will now ask Mary G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Mary G. from New York, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for your service, Lynn, and thanks for letting me serve. Have a great day. And thank you, Mary G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 96, the second paragraph. Suppose you are now making your second visit through three paragraphs ending. Occasionally you have to meet such conditions and commenting on all three paragraphs. I will now ask Lisa H. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Lisa H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. Suppose now you are making your second visit to a man. He has read this volume and said, says he's prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. Having had the experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. Let him know you are available if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story. 
but do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult another. He may be broke and homeless. If he is, you might try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance. But you should not deprive your your family or creditors of money they should have. Perhaps you will want to take the man into your home for a few days, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family and that he's not trying to oppose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. Permit that and you will only harm him. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than in his recovery. Never avoid these responsibilities but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. It may mean the loss of many nights sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money in your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, Innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn burn a mattress. You may have a fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you will have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time, you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally, you will have to meet such conditions. Um, Again, Lisa recovered from Tennessee, and um, there's a lot here. Um, For me, as a compulsive overeater, um, I haven't haven't had the opportunity to, to bring anyone into my home, but I I do remember, um, you know, I'm married to a recovered um, alcoholic, and um, he did invite a friend of his into our home for a couple of nights, Um, and uh, this person was not sober, Um, and he spent, and I maybe it was just one or two nights, Um, and, but watching my husband be of service to other people, um, made me realize that that indeed was the foundation of his recovery, um, which taught me a lot. Um, once I um, got through the 12 steps, um, sharing my experience, strength, and hope, um, and it's, you know, where it says that your phone may ring day or night, um, there's lots of times where there's texts, phone calls, messages, because that's that's sort of where my foundation is, um, because of these, uh, because of the vision for you, because it's a phone meeting, and so um, for me, um, answering those phone calls, uh, being a listening ear, sharing my experience, um, helping guide others to find that higher power, um, to help and guide them connect with that higher power every day. I mean, it does say you have to be, you have to act the good Samaritan every day if need be. Um, and it's interesting to me that Good Samaritan is capitalized here. Um, this, you know, I have, of course, looked up the definition, and it says a person who is generous in helping those in distress. Um, and for me, that means uh, answering a call or returning a call when it might not be convenient, you know, um, when I might be in the middle of something. But it, I can usually 
on the phone, especially hear in someone's voice that distress. Um, and so, again, that is the foundation of my recovery. That's how I stay abstinent. Um, what, one of my sponsees just said to me yesterday, I see why now um, that once you get through all this, that really you've got to continue to help other people um, to stay recovered. Anyway, um, looking forward to seeing you all this weekend. Thank you. I pass. And thank you, Lisa H. We will now open up the lines for sharing. Please just say your name once and I'll make my list. So who would like to share on what was just read? Raz R, Florida. Chrissy G. This is Larry K. Nicole P. Okay, this is who I got so far, and I'm sorry, I missed the last two people. They were faint, but I got Roz R, Chrissy G, Larry K, somebody P, I believe, and I missed the last name entirely. Melissa K. So I've got Melissa. Anyone else? Um, it was Nicole P. Nicole, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, mm-hmm. Melissa and Nicole P. All right, let's start with that lineup. So we have Roz R. followed by Chrissy G. Please go ahead, Roz. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, let me just set my timer. Um, this is Roz R. headed back to Florida today from Georgia. Um, Anyway, I'm like so filled with gratitude for this group and this meeting. Um, I have had a lot of things happening over the last month between both of my daughters. And you know what? This program and staying in touch with sponsees and taking calls from people who were in trouble, some people who didn't even know I was away or evacuated and I didn't have to say anything. Um, it's been like life-saving for me. Um, so, yeah, a kindly act once in a while isn't enough. Um, you have to act the Good Samaritan. And I love that it was pointed out that it was capitalized every day if need be. And for me, um, in the situations that I've been in lately, the Good Samaritan not only isn't to my fellow recovered and recovering um, uh, friends and fellows, um, but it's been to family because I've been, um, God had a plan, I guess, because I spent 17 days with one daughter in Chicago and another eight under duress of hurricanes in uh, Georgia, which then we had one here. Uh, we had some bad weather. Uh, but anyway, um, it, it, it's like I, I could, I know why now, all the 35 years that I was in recovery, that I I couldn't stay abstinent, and I couldn't stay abstinent, as Harlan would say, happily. You know, it would be white-knuckling. Um, it is so gentle and easy for me. Um, the neutrality is so easy, um, and it's so much easier. to. It's like even even under all the stress and, and everything else, when I would get a phone call from someone in need, you know, and they and they would and I would pick it up. It would just get me out of myself, and it's amazing. You know, I never knew, I never knew until we I started studying vision with this group, how this is like, it's not even a negotiable thing. It's like working with others is the only way that you can stay sober and abstinent and and recovered and at peace. And yeah, not every day is a perfect day, but um, every day today is is a gift that I've been given. Um, so uh, I don't really have much more to say because I have to uh, 
we have to load up and pack. We're headed out, but um, and I hope I'm still here to revision. But if not, I know you got a sub up there. But God bless all of you, and um, this is a fabulous group that we that, that you guys are, and um, hope to see you all Friday. God bless. I pass. And thank you, Roz R. Chrissy G., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning. This is Chrissy G., recovered compulsive reader and anorexic from New Jersey. And there, there's a person in the program in a face-to-face meeting that always says this, this line that I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And I... I love, I love that. I mean, I know it says that we have to, we have to act the good Samaritan, but it's, there's like a certain sense of gratitude in the fact that this is how I get to live my life. I get the opportunity to take the most painful times of my life and, and let them be transformative for other people through the power of our higher power, the higher power within us that connects us all. Now that's that's amazing that my worst darkest days can be used as as um, life support for other people. I'm so grateful that I get to do this. And it wasn't, you know, I have to say it's like before God comes in to really renew my mind and transform my thinking. Before that that starts to take take hold it is forced the 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 acting as if portion of this program is is real for me was real for me there wasn't an overnight transformation when i picked up the phone sometimes i i wasn't so eager to talk to a person i have to say as as i come to to realize just what life is the true meaning of life and what truly gives me joy, which is helping other people. I used to think, you know, getting what I wanted was the true meaning of life. So, you know, if I was going to eat my dinner and someone called, of course, eating the dinner would make me happy over talking to the person because that's what my belief system was. My belief system was to serve myself, was to make myself happy. But as I come to see this program, as I worked this program acting as if putting one foot in front of the other, pushing my dinner aside and taking the phone call and and maybe begrudgingly, but then seeing the transformative action, how God healed me through that process, through taking that phone call, how I felt a true sense of joy and peace that was lasting for the whole day instead of just the ah comfort and ease that I got from eating my dinner. I, I see what what the true meaning of life is and, and then I get to I get to do this. I don't have to do this. And with that I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Larry K, it's your turn and Nicole P, you'll be next. Thanks so much. Um, it's Larry K, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, there there's a number of years ago, by the grace of God, I, I um I worked through this process and I, I became recovered and I knew there was a change and I, and I began to, to I had a message to carry <laughs> for the first time. And of course I had been in program for a few years up to that point. And um, this program is a program of attraction rather than promotion, right? So when you become recovered, people know it and they'll find you. 
If you notice that, they'll find you. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I remember um, feeling pretty overwhelmed because, you know, I'd get some calls and go to face-to-face meetings and people would reach out. And because they, and it wasn't my message because my, my message, I'm quite sure, would would get you killed because it almost got me killed. I say that might sound facetious, but it's, it's really true. It almost did get me killed, but I was carrying the message contained in this text. The, the message contained in this text, the instructions, this is the instruction manual. It, it gets you well and it got me well. It followed precisely. There is a contingency, right? And anyway, so people were, you know, now I had a message and it was attractive people were calling and I felt overwhelmed. And I remember calling this guy. I thought, well, I'm going to call this one guy because I, I, if I get a lot of calls, I bet you he gets 10 times as many calls as I do. I do. And people reaching out and I'm probably right about that. And, and I said, Hey, do you, you know, do you ever get overwhelmed? Do you, I mean, is he, do you ever just want to, you know, something to that effect? I can't remember. And he had me turn to this page and he said, you know, read that to me. And I remember, to this, this particular part about we we have to act the Good Samaritan every day. And, you know, since that time, I, I to the best of my ability, I try to show up every day. But, you know, look at all the people, what it takes to put this meeting, to get this meeting going every morning. And people are getting well, and not everyone's getting well. But those who are following it precisely, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed this path. You follow this path, the instructions. It's, it's not my message. It's not this guy's message, that woman's message. It's the message found in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You follow that, oh, you'll get well. I defy you not to get well if you follow it. What a beautiful program. Thank God for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Nicole P., it's your turn. And Melissa, you'll be next. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm a grateful, compulsive reader from Georgia. And um, just to briefly touch on what the first speaker said, I also am an evacuee, and my heart and prayers goes out to you. I don't remember your name, but Um, whomever you are, my hearts and prayers go out to you. This program is a life-saving program, and through all the chaos of good old Irma, oh, goodness, um, I can say I pick up the phone, I work these steps, I get on this phone line because this helps me get to the solution. I can't change what has already happened. I can't change if I go back and there's no home to go back to. But through this program, I don't have to eat over it. And thank God for that. And um, let me put my timer on. The paragraph on 96. Suppose now you are making a second visit to a man. He has read this volume and says he is prepared to go through the 12 steps of the program. I always ask certain questions. But I never ask a potential prospect or sponsee whether they're willing to go to any length. 
I ask them, are they willing to put the food down? And occasionally I'll even do a follow-up question. Are, are you at a point where you're willing to stop where binging has become less of a priority than working these steps? Because it's a question I had to ask myself and have with my higher power. Because at one point, no, I, it wasn't. Binging was more important than working the steps. Dieting was more important than working the steps. Um, and it, it's like the conversation I have with my sponsors. It's like, you know, I'm here, as it says, you know. Let him know you are available if he wishes to make a decision. I always tell them I'm available. However, I always tell them that I'm limited, whereas God is limitless. And, you know, I just make sure that I make sure that they are willing, because the willingness is the big thing. I can't force it. I don't try to force it. If the willingness is there, their actions will show me. Anyone can say they're ready. I said I was ready. And... The actions usually tell me, oh, you're ready. And we get into this big book and we go through these steps. And this spiritual journey warms my heart. It keeps me sane. It keeps me recovered. Um, I tell them all the time, what you're doing, as much as it's doing for you, it does for me too because we're going through this journey together. Um, And it reminds me of page 68, the second paragraph. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. I have to remind myself. All the time. I'm finite. I'm recovered, but I'm still finite. And when I think I can play God, I go to my higher power, and he reminds me, no, I, I have that job. You can sit down now. <laughs> you could be the passenger, but I'm going to drive this. Um, and working with someone who isn't willing to put the food down, I, I see that on top of 97. I, I see it as aiding in the destruction. I've been in the push and pull. Oh, I wish they did this and do that. And and guess what? If they're not ready, they're not ready. Can't make them be ready. And it it used to break my heart and devastate me. But usually what I love is when we do follow-up calls or they call me back, they found a step and they had their step one experience. Time, please. And I love that. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Nicole P. And Melissa, it's your turn. And if we can have the initial of your last name, please. Hi. Yeah. Hi, it's Melissa Shane. Recovered compulsive. No, thank you. Um, thank you for your service. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, you know what? What strikes me this morning is like the first paragraph. It, it's you know, we we pay another visit. We have this conversation, um, and. Um, and, and and but it's not about us because we're not offended if the person chooses to tell a story or, or work with another person um, because we're not um, we're not the savior. This is not we're not going to become some higher power. It's not um, it's not personal, you know. And so when I start working with people, um, that's like one of the first things that I kind of say to them, like, look, I'm gonna I'm really happy to work with you. I will share whatever it is that I have to offer, my experience, strength, and hope. But please do not, you know, do not just speak with me. Like, right off the bat, 
call three people on a regular basis, daily basis, um, you know, because for whatever reason, you may just decide to work with someone else, and, and really, um, I'm not offended. And my experience was it, it takes a village for me. Like, I needed a village to sponsor me, and I still do. I have to turn to a lot of people um, to have a spiritual connection. It was not just one person that swooped down and got me, you know, got me recovered. Um, but I needed direction from a lot of people. And so I think that's powerful. And then the other thing is that um, when we're working with other people, it, yeah, it's inconvenient. It is. But um, it is a blessing. It really is. The, it's my thing. It's what I get to do. It's um, it's really what fills me up. And, you know, I went away um, one time uh, camping with my, my friends. And, you know, I have a really close girlfriend who had had gastric bypass. And, um, and, you know, she was willing to have her whole digestive tract cut apart. And yet she was, like, uh, amazed and, like, I can't believe you really take phone calls. You're on vacation. Like, she was like, you're going you're, you're gonna, to, like, go listen to your meeting now? And, and, and like, at one point I had to, um, I got to walk away and say, you know what, I have to, I have to um, make some phone calls. I'm expecting a call from the sponsor, someone I'm working with. And, um, and, and she looked horrified, like, like, really, you have to do this on vacation? And yet I did get the chance to explain to her, you know, I used to go on vacation and the food took precedent over my vacation. The food squeezed out and pushed aside time with my family, time to enjoy a new surroundings. And today, um, that's not my experience. So, yes, I get to continue to work with people even when it's not convenient. But, you know, the food never cared that it, that it shot me in a corner. And, um, yeah, so this is a real blessing. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. And thank, excuse me, thank you, Melissa C. For those of you who have just joined us online, we are on page 96, the second paragraph. Suppose you are now making your second visit through three paragraphs ending with occasionally you have to meet such conditions and commenting on all three paragraphs. Who else would like to share on what we read this morning? Lisa B. Mary B. Rita H. Maggie S. Okay, let me tell you who I got. See if I missed anybody. I got Lisa B. Mary B. The P. Matt M. And Maggie S. Did I miss anybody? Laura P. Sorry, there was Laura and then there was someone else. Reva P. I got you, Reva. Thanks. Okay, so our lineup is Lisa B, Mary B, Reva P, Matt M, Maggie S, and Laura. I missed your last initial. Okay, Lisa B, would you like to start off for us, please? 
Good morning. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and thank you for your service. Uh, I keep learning so much as we go through this reading um, as a group and we study it and take it apart. And what jumped out for me is when it says, um, you will be making it possible for him to be insincere. And I, I just thought that was a really interesting um, line there. And it, it reminded me of, because I just was reading this with another person yesterday and how it works. It, it tells us that that um, capacity to be honest is what's so vital for us to get well. And when I'm working with others, um, I need to let those uncomfortable pauses in the conversations be there and, and let them share if, if they're identifying um, in with this illness, this fatal malady that we have. And, it, you know, when he's making this second visit, I need to be reminded in the, in the first visit, you know, we talked about alcoholism as a fatal malady and illness. We talked about the spiritual Concept. So we're assuming in the second visit that step one and step two have been clearly laid out. So now we're talking about, he, is he willing to make that decision, which is step three, and move forward through all of the steps, you know? And I have to be willing to let that possibility that they are not, they're not there yet. And that pause, that uncomfortable pause in the conversation has to be there. The other thing in this reading um, that jumps out for me is how I get all over myself. I get full of myself, and that is so painful. It's the bondage of self. And that the way I can be freed of that is by working with others. And it's not just a little bit here and there. I have found from my own experience, it's either the progression of this illness, this fatal malady has become so huge, um, in these years that I really, I mean, I, every day, every day, you know, it is, uh, to the best of my ability with God's direction, trying to act the good Samaritan every day, um, taking calls all the time. Of course, I'm learning balance with my family. I'm learning balance with my time, with my higher power and my work, but really working my day around, working with others, talking with others, either in my 10 steps with recovered compulsive overeaters, but the bulk of my day is really in looking to be of service to people, not only in this fellowship, but to my family. You know, when I'm up in the morning and say I've been up for four hours and it's like, okay, a little alarm goes off in my head. I have only thought of myself this entire four hours. I've got to start to think of others. And I I um, ask for guidance and how I can be of service to my husband, how I can be of service to the other people around me. So it's not only the people in the fellowship, but it's really, um, it's, it's everyone. It's everyone, you know. Um, and then my answers come, the guidance comes. The more I get out of myself, the more I work with others, the guidance that I'm so desperately trying to find is there when I set myself aside with God's help. Excuse me, I'm choking here. So I guess that'll be it. And I thank you for your service. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Mary B., it's your turn. And Reva P., you're up next. Thank you very much. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered compulsive eater in Central California. The uh, reading this morning is some pretty heavy-duty stuff. A lot of things that most of us probably have, don't have to deal with with uh, people in uh, OA. So I want to share something. It's something I've been wanting to say to this group for a long time and waiting for an opening to do it. And I'm going to take it right now, a little thing. 
I uh, started calling vision about three years ago when I lived in program heaven in Southern California. And shortly afterwards, I moved to Central California. And I was getting calls from my friends, because most of you know I've been in program a very long time, who, you know, wanted to say hello and how you doing and uh, how are the meetings. And they're pretty sparse up here. But I would mention, wow, you know, I've been doing this big book study with a group online. And I would tell them about it. And if they wanted it, I would give them the information. At the meetings, I would share, both here in Central California and in Yuma, Arizona, in the wintertime, at OA meetings, I would share about this group. And if somebody asked me, I would give them the information. I have never had anyone call this group who didn't call me back to thank me. And what I want you to know is the thing that surprised them, that excited them, that they were so happy about, was that they had put their name out as a newcomer and they got phone calls. Mary, I got three phone, I got five phone calls. People called me. You know, it's kind of sad to think that, and, and I had included me, could be so surprised that people actually called to welcome them to this group. It seems like a little thing, but to those of you out there who are doing that service, thank you. It is so much appreciated. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you for the opportunity to share. And I look forward. My sister is going to arrive from West Palm Beach tomorrow to stay with my husband while I travel to New Jersey. See you Friday. God bless. Thank you, Mary B. And Reva P., it's your turn, followed by Matt M. Hi, this is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Uh, two things struck me. The first one, uh, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. Being on the receiving end, when I first came into program, I was amazed that um, at the time I had phoned the OA number and somebody called me back really, really quickly um, and spent quite a bit of time with me on the phone explaining the program and telling me where the closest meeting was. And I was amazed <laughs> that somebody would do that. Um, and it's still such a blessing um, that, you know, this working with others um, um, that I get to receive those kinds of um, calls and emails um, and all that stuff. And then on the giving side now, what struck me was using discretion. And it even says you can give him much practical advice. But for me, that practical advice is not about life coach advice. Um, it's not counseling advice. It's basically guidance through the 12 steps. 
And the word discretion is something I never knew from experience before this program because discretion for me is about knowing how and when to give because I tend to either give too much, like the all or nothing thinking, or not do it at all. Either I can't do it or I'm just like overdoing it. And discretion comes at step 12 um, because it comes from my higher power. I need to work the steps, remove the blocks, so I can get guidance for every specific situation. I can't make a recipe. I can't say this is what I'm going to do from now on. Um, every situation is different. Every moment of the day, you know, do I answer the phone? Do I not? Um, do I do this? Do I not do this? Um, and it really makes it so much simpler. All I do is guide somebody through the steps. I'm not their life coach. Um, and in terms of what I need to do, I have to go back to my higher power, working my steps. Um, to know how to um, be in a relationship, whether it's in program or out of program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Matt M., it's your turn, followed by Maggie S. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt. I was a post over eater. I was one of those people that I had a really close friend of mine in program who was the Good Samaritan took me into her home for oh, about a year, a little over a year. And I was still not working on my recovery because I, got, I was being enabled. I didn't realize how good I had it there. It was a clean house. I was abstinent to the best of my ability, and I was losing weight like crazy. I was feeling better, and I took it for granted, and I caused a lot of turmoil in her house. I stole food. I stole things that weren't mine, uh, food. And, you know, I was just tossing and wrecking havoc like a wrecking ball. And uh, I damaged a lot of relationships, including mine with hers. And uh, luckily, we didn't talk for, after I moved out in March, we didn't talk for four months, four or five months. We finally started talking again. Now we're friends again. But I know what it's like now. I don't know if I would be able to help somebody financially. I couldn't help anybody financially because I don't make a lot of money on disability. But um, there's other ways to help people without taking them into, into my home or not without giving them money. But, like, you know, I was very grateful now that I look back and I'm very grateful for the time that I spent living with her because it helped me to get some of my head on, my head on straight, sort of, and to get my priorities straight, you know. And um, now that I'm living where I'm living, I really, I really realized how good I had it because of the simple fact that I don't have a kitchen where I live now and it's difficult to cook abstinent food for me. So it's, it's not easy. I'm not abstinent right now. So and I can see now why um, people do take people into the homes, but they have to really be doing it for the right reasons, and I see that now. And uh, it wasn't the best situation for me to move in with her, but it did help me get some perspective on what I need to do for myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Maggie S., it's your turn. And Laura H., you'll be next. Good morning. This is Maggie S. from uh, Western New York, recovered in Western New York. Um, I don't often share, but my um, sponsor asked me to, or she didn't ask me, but encouraged me to share on the line. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely grateful, and I have done a lot of receiving in this meeting, a lot of phone calls and um, God showing up for me in so many different people. And what this, these paragraphs, really instruct me to do is also to give to really and, and not just give here okay I'll pick up the phone but really to the point where it's not convenient and and I have spent my life 
uh, trying to get away from other people, trying to protect myself from other people, putting up all kinds of barriers um, because I, other people were needy and unpredictable and could be scary. So my whole aim in life was to protect myself. And what I've learned in recovering is that really, you know, there's nothing to protect. You know, ego is easing God out, as I've been told in years past. And in my efforts to protect, I have eased God out of my life, even though I would have described myself as a very spiritual person. But these steps tell me that, yeah, I need to pick up the phone with discretion, of course, with wisdom, looking at what my motives are, but pick up the phone and be ready. I I didn't used to pick up the phone. Years in OA, you know, in and out of of recovery, in and out of uh, relapse, I should say. Um, Never really recovered, and I've learned that recently. But um, I didn't pick up the phone. I would put on um, We Careless that I was available for phone calls, and one person called me on that one day. She said, you know what? You put your name there, but you never answer the phone. And like, yeah, because you people are just too needy. And what I have got learned, I mean, from sponsors, from people calling me, from sponsees recently, is that, yeah, I'm needy too. And I, the place I go is to my higher power. And through my higher power, I receive the strength that I need in order to be there for other people. That I, am, I can be a vessel. I can be a vessel. And it's not about me being enough and having enough. It is that I already do have enough. And it is through my higher power that I'm able to give. And so it's, it's a practice. I'm not perfect at it by any means. But it is so different today for me than it was six months ago. Um, and for that, I'm really grateful to really be of use to my fellows and, and to my higher power. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you for being there. I'm Oh, looking forward to um, Friday um, and uh, look forward to meeting many, many recovered people and others in, in need of service. Um, so with that, I pass. Thank you so much. And thank you, Maggie S. Laura H., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Laura H. out of Chicago, recovering compulsive overeater. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. This powerful reading is really striking a chord with me this morning as something in my life happened yesterday that was just so uncomfortable. I came into a program in 2014 weighing close to 350 pounds. God has released from me close to 125 pounds. Um, You know, and I'm walking the journey each day and I come to this meeting every day. Thank you. Thank you all for being here and on the lines. Anyway, this this par- these paragraphs talk about working with others, and it describes the chaos that what, of what can happen with an alcoholic, you know, and we know the story of um, Bill and, and Lois and all the things that they put up with and working with others. Um, and in, in compulsive overeating, maybe we don't see all of that, that kind of, you know, dramatic kind of movements. But I will say this, it is, I have six sponsees, and they keep me sober each and every day. So yesterday what had happened was one of my family members, it's my son, uh, he is an addict, and he is deep into his disease. 
He is so far deep into his disease that he is homeless. And I was getting these text messages from him yelling at me and screaming at me on these text messages, just basically blaming me. And, you know, I am an addict myself. So, of course, you know, my brain wanted to believe what he told me. Thank God for program that I know that, I, you know, this is not my problem. I mean, I can do what I can do for him. But the biggest thing I can do, and I heard it on this line, I don't know, a day or so ago or maybe last week, recover, recover, recover. My sponsor tells me the big book, maybe you may be the only big book your son will ever know. So um, it was interesting because I was in chaos, myself and my brain worried about him, and I knew I had a sponsee call coming. She was texting me, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, can I call you at this time? Thank God for all of my sponsees. I keep, you know, they keep me grounded. They keep me focused on today's, today's today. This is all we have is today. I got a 5 a.m. phone call. I do every morning from one of my sponsees who is working her program. And the first question out of her mouth is, how did you sleep last night? Because I can be honest with my fellows. And I told them, my sponsees, you know, what's going on in my life. And um, first thing she says is, how did you sleep last night? Because she knew I was in a lot of agony. Did I eat over it? No, because of my sponsees. I can't, I can't read the big book with them and study with them if I decide I'm going to eat, even if it's, you know, I can tell myself, oh, you can have a piece of fruit. No, I can't. When you put the fork down, day is done. So anyway. So grateful for this program. So grateful to each and every one of you. Thank you for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Laura H. Who else would like to share on what was read this morning? Nessa R. This is Shannon S. Okay, there was somebody after Nessa R. Do? About Shannon, there's Nessa R and Shannon, but there was somebody in between. Anybody? Do. Do. Okay, do. Let's see if we get to you. That's do L, right? Because we've got five minutes left. Can you, just, left. Um, can you just me? Say the, can you just let me know the state that Laura H is from? I'm sorry, I don't know. Okay, Nessa R., uh, would you like to go ahead, please? And we've got five minutes left, so I think we'll probably just get Nessa and Shannon in. So if we can keep our sharing, if we can watch the time to maybe two minutes plus a little bit, that would be great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good morning. This is Nessa R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, to me, this, this, this reading describes the ultimate in other-centeredness, and I shared a lot about this. Um, you know, I, was, I was so focused on myself and what I wanted and what I thought would make me happy, and I lived in a world of if-onlys. If only I had more money, if only I had a bigger house, if only I didn't have to work, if only my husband did this, if only my kids didn't do that if only my neighbor, if only my boss. It was just a world of if-onlys. And of course, you know, the more if-onlys I had, the more disappointed I grew and the more unhappy I became. 
um, you know, fast forward to recovery, you know, the perspective has changed completely where most of the time, not always, but most of the time, a great portion of the time, it's not about me. It's about others, doing for others, helping others, focusing on others. You know, and the paradox is that the, the more I focused on me, the less happy I was. And now that I'm mostly not focused on me, now I live a contented and happy life. You know, uh, often I say that um, self-esteem comes from doing esteemable things, and there's nothing more esteemable than helping others. And that's where happiness comes from, you know, from feeling useful, from feeling um, that I can make a contribution, that I, um, you know, have a higher purpose than just, you know, not having to work for a living, for example, which I still do, you know, and I still, you know, my circumstances haven't really changed very much, you know, money's still tight, my house is still small, my kids, my husband, my neighbor, my boss, my dogs, you know, they all do whatever they want, you know, without um, asking me, okay, what do I want from them? And yet, you know, I'm content and I'm, and I'm happy. Why? Because I'm not focused on that anymore. And by the way, my family is happier too because they don't have me on their backs hacking at them and nagging them. Um, so this is a paradox of helping others. In focusing on others, we find serenity, happiness, and contentment for ourselves. And I pass. And thank you, Nessa R. Shannon, you'll be the last person to share this morning. And can we have the initial of your last name, please? Sure. Good morning. This is Shannon S., recovered compulsive overeater just outside Buffalo, New York. Um, And I love these paragraphs. Um, It really reminded me of what somebody else shared a little bit earlier is about motives, motives, motives. What is my purpose for helping somebody out? What is my purpose for possibly bringing them into my home or um, giving them, you know, uh, helping them financially? And I remember when I first started out on my sponsorship journey and my very wise sponsor told me at the time, if somebody else's recovery is more important to you than it is to them, then there is a problem. And I have kept that with me, and I've repeated that to myself over and over, and I've shared that with other people because um, I can be a very compulsive caretaker, and I can um, reap a lot of stuff from that. I can get my identity off of what I do and who I help, and and, uh, my ego can quickly get so inflamed, you know, that I want to be somebody's superhero and rescuer and, um, and all of those things. And as soon as I start thinking that way, I am twisted and upside down, and I need to look at um, where is my own recovery, and, you know, I need to go back to my higher power and, um, and get my worth and my value and my identity from there um, and from my higher power. But it's amazing now that we've commenced on this way of life um, to serve God and to serve others is our only aim. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, then who's going to serve me? How am I going to get my needs met? And, um, and it's just amazing when I really get myself out of the way and um, I look at helping others just how much I am helped. Um, yesterday I was really getting into self, and instead of wallowing and focusing on myself, 
I looked where I could be of service, and it was amazing how God worked through that and how I was helped. And um, our whole goal is, in my mind, to lead somebody through the steps, um, not be their life coach or their counselor, but lead them through the steps and show them, lead them to their higher power and how they can help themselves. And I'll just close with this. Um, I have three small children, and we were driving in the car recently, and we saw somebody um, that had a sign, and they said, you know, help money for food. And I said, you know, don't give them money, but bring them a sandwich. You know, show people how to help themselves and give them help that is truly help. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Shannon S. And do, Al, I'm sorry, we won't have time for your share, but perhaps if you're able, you can stick around for the second hour. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Tuesday, Liz V, Mary G, Lisa H, Roz R, and Cecilia H. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, September 12th, is 10414. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Roz R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Um, Can I be heard? Yes, Roz. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. This is Roz R. Covered, uh, Post Over Eater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.